live your life, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for Yeah, rear naked choke of Cocker Spaniel, bro. You know what I'm saying? Change the neighborhood up. Conspiracy Farm. Go. Check it out. Jeff, how are you doing down there today in St. Louis? I am doing very well, champ. It's a beautiful day here in the Show Me State, getting a little chilly. Fall has fallen. Soon it'll be winter. Soon it'll be turkey day. And I'm just thinking, you know, soon it'll be summer. Time just flies by anymore, bro. Older we get, the faster it goes. So That's how it seems. Uh, yeah, but speaking of time, let's get right to our guest. He, I tell you what, uh, my sister, who learned how to can from my mother and my grandmother, and my sister has got a lot of knowledge. How did they, you can? She was explaining how to. I, I thought, okay, I don't know a whole lot because she said this is how you do your own well, and she started to explain it. And then when she technically knows exactly how to do her own well, so she's going to stand by the side with a hard hat on and a boss's vest while I'm the one doing the work, of course. But, <laughs> uh, but no, she's learned a lot. She's a huge fan of, of our of our guest. Uh, from Big Family Homestead Network. He's got a huge following all over the Internet, YouTube, and other platforms. He is uh, hidden in the woods, we'll say, in the upper Midwest, and has a, a self-sustaining operation going up there. And a guy has a lot of knowledge in a lot of areas, and I think that our, our listeners, Jeff, will have an amazing experience listening to him and learning from him today. Yeah, without a doubt. I was uh, very fortunate to hear the interview you guys did not too long ago as you guys were discussing his operation, your operation with uh, the soil, and hopefully we're going to touch on all of that today. Yeah. So, Brad, welcome to the show, buddy, and thank you for taking the time. <clears throat> thank you, uh, Pat and Jeff, and I am excited to uh, – we'll just share because it's, it's um, a freaky – reality we live in now and one that i never would have thought we would be experiencing when i was growing up i i'm i'm the guy that had the rose-colored glasses on thinking america of the 50s and now we're in chaos central where everything that i thought was normal and right and good and moral is just out the window and um so we've had to make changes we've had to learn how to prepare survive We've had to learn how to defend ourselves in ways that I really wish that we never had to, but that's where we live now. Yeah, and when we think about it, I mean, I was the same way as a kid. I was thinking, man, when I get older, I'm going to be buying, you know, 57 Chevys, the Bel Airs, fixing them up and doing cool stuff and buying old Harleys and fixing them up. And, you know, here we find ourselves investing in heirloom seeds, solar panels, uh, digging our own wells. And, and loading our own ammunition because the the predator class just just won't stand. Uh, they won't get off the gas pedal, so to speak, right? Uh, you are speaking truth, and I am in the choir. You're preaching to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brad, catch our viewers up. Our you know now that we're on uh, Red Voice Media, which is an amazing platform. We're really excited to be here, and you know, so help everybody from Red Voice Media, all the listeners from this network kind of get caught up on how you ended up being in the world that you're in today of, of self-sustainable farming and, and everything else that you're doing. Okay. Here's the 30-second version, which will probably be about five minutes. Um, <laughs> I grew up um, as a musician. My dad was a musician in high school. I ended up getting a record deal right out of high school. 
with a Christian rock band. And we toured, we played, we've even played for the Pope twice, you know, literally wow. big, big crowds. Uh, that was a crazy thing, actually. We played for the Pope in Rome in 2000. There was two point, I think, eight million kids there. It was so big that your per- peripheral vision couldn't pick it all up. You had to turn your head left and right to see the edges of the crowd. Wow. So been everywhere, done all that, uh, owned recording studios, video production, worked for the biggest names in the world, the one percenters, everybody from Peyton Manning to Jerry Lewis, Gorbachev. I've done video production for all of those guys and produced um, what they called motivational masters, which is basically a way that they could sell you a bunch of stuff that you already know. But that's... Did you work for Les Brown? Not to cut you off. Have you worked for Les Brown? I have worked with Les Brown, but he worked for my boss, uh, which was was Get Motivated Seminars. Okay. Um, Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll get on to that later, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) And so... um, Basically, life was going great, rocking along, and um, we had a daughter named Grace who was a miracle. She was born at a pound and 15 ounces and uh, ended up where she had – she was intubated when she was born, so she ended up with her the roof of her mouth shaped more like a V, so she couldn't make suction to eat. So she ended up having to uh, eat through a G-tube, and um, – so she constantly was getting sick, and we didn't really understand why. And they put her on her main diet was uh, Pediasure. And so time goes on. I'm now a worship leader at a church in Cincinnati, and this all converged like this. So my daughter's getting sick. She's getting pneumonia a lot. She was in the hospital at All Children six times a year at some points. And then my wife started doing some research <clears throat> and on – Actual real live nutrition, real food, not just sugar water that they put in a can and right. you. So she said, you know, what? I think we need, need to make some changes in what she's eating. And I said, let's do it. I mean, because I mean, it was horrible, man. It was horrible being there so often watching your helpless daughter look at you like, help dad. I can't. And so my wife, Krista, started getting into Whole Foods in terms of we started growing things. And um, at that time, I started seeing the world around me as a lot more fragile than I thought. The economic system, um, things like the power grid, uh, I started becoming awake, I would say, about 10 years ago. And I looked at my pantry in my house And having seven kids, which we did, we do at the time and still do, um, I figured, holy Moses, I've got three days worth of food. And I don't know how to do anything if it's not with a guitar or a computer or a video camera. And it was a shock, man. So while my wife was researching all these whole foods and how to feed our daughter Grace, we instantly went into high gear on preparedness and learning how to grow things and um, we ended up with goats, chickens. Uh, we ended up with, um, gardens and, uh, a, a full grove and a mini cow, a Dexter cow. It's about this big in the back of our uh, yard, which was only one acre. We did all of this stuff on one acre of land. Wow. And, and so when Grace, our daughter started eating raw milk and raw foods, she stopped getting sick, period, end of story. 
Imagine that. Duh. <laughs> you know? And it was one of those like McFly, wake up moments. <laughs> McFly. And um so what happened was one of our lovely neighbors at the time, we, we went on like this for at least a year and a half. And somebody reported that, hey, they got a cow in their backyard, even though it's not bigger than, I mean, a Great Dane is smaller, but not much smaller, right? Um, <laughs> so truthfully, it, it, we, we probably, we might have been breaking the rules, but they, they hadn't changed the zoning. So they changed the zoning. And Was this a cul-de-sac neighborhood, basically? Basically. Since it, we were on, <laughs> we were on the edges of Cincinnati, so they thought they were all that. You know what I mean? The people that are the yeah, we think we're that yeah crowd. So yeah, I got I got two <laughs> of them, Jack and Squad. But um, so we got reported, and at that time we had started a YouTube channel, and we were just honestly sharing what we were learning, like how to milk a goat. That would be a video you could go and look at. How to build a goat milking stand. All the stuff that your sister was watching, that's what we were doing. We were literally living it out, and then I'd just be like, oh, I'll just film it. Why not? And so popularity started growing because there's obviously the country, people are waking up and seeing, I need to learn how to do stuff. Right. Because I need to learn how to feed my family. And that's what was happening. Well, at that time, the zoning mysteriously changed, and they said, you can't have that cow anymore. And I was just instantly hit like a like a truck man it's like my daughter who's now well we're not going back to her getting sick and being in the hospital all the time so we shared this with our youtube crowd and lo and behold we had calls from all over the country of people saying hey um you want to live over here in this midwestern area and this one woman she reached out to us and said hey i, I have a farm that's in central wisconsin that I can't use because I've recently become quadriplegic and I don't even live there. And if you want to come check it out, we can work something out just on paper between you and me, no strings attached, no banks. And we came up here and fell in love with the home and the area, not the weather, but we're <laughs> lucky to live with it. <laughs> uh, it's right. 26 degrees today, man. <laughs> so, mm. It's already snowed in October, by the way. But so, Wisconsin's so beautiful up there. It is amazing, man. We are now part. So we moved here, and we've really just grown to love it, and we're understanding how to get along with the weather. We're, you know, gardening and, you know, self-defense, man. I, I don't I don't need to go to the range. I go on my back porch because there's <laughs> nothing but two miles of woods that way and a sloped hill. And I pick up my brass, and we, we're just we're target shooting right off the back range there. It's like Hickok, you know, on YouTube. And, um, and we've learned that um, we need to go beyond just self-reliance. We needed to learn that. Now we're building community. And that's what my goal is. And, and actually, if any of your listeners want to reach out, we are all about building community. If you're crazy, don't call. But if you're, if you're not insane, uh, we do want to hook up. One of our goals is to connect people who are like-minded together because there's no, there's no way to get out of this mess that our country's in if you think you're a lone wolf. And I know there's so many people that have that mentality like, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And yeah, you should. You really, really should <clears throat> learn these skills. You should learn how to defend yourself. You should learn how to grow things and all of that. 
But if you think that you're going to learn all the skills that it takes to live life on your own, I say, good luck, man. I, I say, good luck. Because you know what? I don't know how to weld. There's a lot of things I don't know how to do. Do you know how to, to do dental surgery? I don't. We're going to need a dentist when your teeth fall out if the power grid's down. Stuff like that that we don't think about that, yeah, I should be doing as much as I can, but I'm going to need other people who are sane around me who are skilled in other ways. 100%. And I had a guy approach me at the beginning of all of this, the lockdowns and things like that. And he's actually a, a guy from Homeland Security, fairly high up. And he said that he had a valley in Tennessee and that he had uh, 30 acres for me for free. Uh, for whatever I wanted to build on that, on that property. Now I couldn't get, uh, agreement from the, from the other working parts of the machine to do that, you know, just in case. But I can tell you that he was thinking the same way. He's wanted a doctor. He wanted, you know, somebody who had special skill sets in all these different areas so that everybody's bases were covered. And that's, that's what, you know, his goal was and, and is and that community's, <clears throat> that community is currently thriving right now. But, so let's talk a little bit about your gardening uh, and your composting more than anything else right now. You know, what do you do for your composting? Uh, what do you throw in there, you know, and what do you mix mix in? Well, we are not officially the Duke and Duchess of Dukey, but we're getting there, Krista and I. <laughs> um, uh, for us, since we have animals, we've got um, we've got a couple milk cows. We've got uh, a goat. We've got some sheep. We've got a couple horses. Obviously poop is prime it's that's what it is man uh yeah. we we grab all of their manure uh as we can get it i mean when it's if it's out in the field we we don't mess with that but where we clean it up um that goes in we make sure that we're adding in dry uh foliage you you add green too but there's mixtures to that and um one of the things that that you actually have your soil savior stuff man um I wish I could get like a pallet of that because that would be absolute gold for the compost. If you can that could be arranged, that, that could be arranged, Brad. Dude, we can do, we can figure something out with that, brother. I'm telling you, I will become your online champion if that would be absolute gold. Because the reality that you're driving at is, if there's no nutrients in the soil, you're not going to get it in your food. Right. And that's just a fact. So when you take the poop, what you're doing is you're mixing in the nutrients that the animals were eating. You know, the sun shines on the grass. They eat the grass. Therefore, they're eating the vitamin D. They're eating all of this stuff that is now in the poop that you remix in with all of the different um, dries and the greens and all that stuff. We've got a giant pile just because we have an area that's big enough where I can take it with uh we've got like a, a semi-compact uh, tractor. So everything goes into the bucket. I take it over there and about every week we just take the bucket of the tractor and mix it up. We used to do it by hand with fork, but you know what? I'm getting old. So why not use the dang tractor? So, <laughs> and besides right. it's heated. I, I, I love pushing snow around, man. I got a heated tractor. I'm in there with the shorts. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah. So how, how big of a garden do you have then? Well, we do raised beds here in Wisconsin because you have such a short um, growing season. And okay. we have probably about a month less time than you do. I'd say maybe even more. But everything's in raised beds that we have built with um, 
what they call up here, I guess, I don't know if you guys burn wood where you're at, but here heating your home with wood is the most efficient way to do it. And so sure. a lot of the lumber mills around here will sell what's called slab wood. So when they cut the logs, it's all those edges that they can't make square. Yeah. And we've built our raised beds out of those. And uh, our garden is probably big enough to feed uh, the green stuff and, and like tomatoes and squash and, and cucumbers and all that kind of stuff, your lettuces, your kales. I'd say probably two families that are sizable um, with what we have. Uh, we also use, uh, you know, the, the, um, the containers that are in cages, the totes, the 275-gallon totes. Yes. A lot of use for water. You can cut the top off that man, leave it in the cage, and you've got a massive raised bed that's great because then you can just add a little bit of soil to it every year and do almost like the um hugel culture where it's growing the soil inside these things. And they're great for us because it raises the temperature of the soil earlier so you can get it in there earlier. Yeah, but very cool. We probably have a good 30 raised beds now, now, by now. Wow. I'm thinking. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. So yeah. how many, how many chickens do you have? 28. 28. Yeah. So how many eggs are you pulling during the summer? 26 a day. It's, it's ridiculous. 26 a day. Wow. And here, so do you, do you preserve, do you preserve your eggs in five gallon buckets? Do you practice that? We could, but we don't need to. And we have, but we don't need to. Um, okay. a couple reasons why. Uh, we sell actually, and I'm not trying to make a commercial out of this, so I'm not going to go there, but we sell freeze-dried food. And one of the benefits of selling freeze-dried food is we get free food. So we've got cases of, of, uh, egg powder plus the fact that we have our chickens and we we're probably never going to be without chickens. So there's two different kinds. We have our meat birds, the ones we raise just to slaughter for meat. Uh, and then we have our layers. The, the layers are ISA browns. And so they, their laying cycle is you almost get an egg a day per bird if you're giving them good nutrition. And I mean if you're giving them good nutrition. Now, uh, you want me – can I share a, 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 a chicken tip? So while you're talking chickens, I want to show you something. Um, I, I, I don't know if I can get that to, to focus. So that's a, a picture from um, Mariah. Uh, she oh, just got her delivery. She just got her delivery delivery of her her amazing organic uh, preserved food from Thrive Life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, let me tell you what, Jeff. We're gonna fill you in on this, buddy. We're going. We're you going past. We're we're going st- straight for the home run on this one, buddy. You trust me when I say it's it's become such a big part of our life. This freeze dried food. Um, it's single ingredient. Food. It's raw, organic food. If you want to get peas, it's just peas. There's no preservatives. It's not like a bag of glop, survival mm-hmm. glop. There's no salt in it. It's just kale. It's gluten-free. Yes. Well, unless it's an item that is intended to be gluten. Unless you order something, yes. Right, right. But the vast majority yeah. of it is. Yeah, you want, if you want just chicken, it's just chicken. It's big chunks of chicken. Not like some, you know, I don't even know how it's like that stuff they put in those bags. It's like nasty. This stuff comes in cans and it's freeze dried. It's not dehydrated. And so it's good on the shelf 
for 30 years as if it was fresh. Like the strawberries are just strawberries. The, you know, there's, you can even get yogurt. It's any food item you can think of. But anyway, we can, can we come freeze dry chickens. Can we freeze dry chickens? They have it. You don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But here's the, that's, that was my, that was my segue back to talking chickens. Cause I cut, yeah, that's all. Yeah, no, 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 it was my fault. I get excited about that stuff. Uh, yeah. But chicken tip. If you have chickens, you want to ferment your feed. Just like, think like, um, uh, you know how people make kombucha? Yeah. It's that. What you're doing is you take their feed, like the crumbles that you would give them or whatever. Don't forget, chickens are, um, they're omnivores. They'll eat meat. You, they'll eat meat. Um, they, they'll, they eat both, but you ferment their feed. So you take the crumbles and you put water in it and you just, Mix it up. You get it to the consistency of like a thick pudding and you let it in a warm area. So like, um, if it's winter, you're going to need to put it in your garage or wherever, someplace that's not going to freeze and you let it sit for a, a few days. And when it starts to bubble, when it starts to foam, then it's fermenting like it would beer or anything like that. And what happens is it's a crisscross of nutrition like this. So like, if you think if you give them just the crumbles, What's happening is they're only getting about 20% of the actual nutrients out of the food when they consume it. The rest is passed on. But when you ferment it, you're breaking down all of those enzymes and things so that they can actually eat it and and, and make it into absorption. Yeah. So then it's a flip-flop. So instead of uh, 20% nutrition, they're getting 80% nutrition. So not only not only are the chickens going to love it, they're going to make less mess because they don't fling it around everywhere. They don't make as much mess because they don't fling it around everywhere. Um, but they get more nutrition. The eggs are better. The yolks are more orange. They're more nutrient dense. The birds are healthier and they'll lay more often. And so fermenting your feed is a great. Oh, by the way, sorry. You save about 50% on your money on the food because you yeah. don't, they don't eat as much. Yeah, they get more nutrition out of the smaller amount. So it's, yeah, it, yeah. that's, that's the way it works. Yeah. And for the people out there that are listening to this, if you're buying store bought eggs and when you look at your eggs, when you crack them open and, and throw them in a skillet and that's a light yellow colored egg there, it's literally what? void. It's void of nutrients. It's void of nutrients. You, you want that a, you want that a dark, dark orange. And that is, that is the difference in the taste is completely different. Grass fed beef tastes way better than store-bought meat, you know, all all down the line when you grow truly nutritious, nutrient-rich vegetables. I, I've had people eat uh, nutrient-rich vegetables out of my hydroponic garden, and they go, we've never tasted anything like this before. This is incredible. The, the taste is almost overpowering for some people, um, not overpowering, but so rich in flavor that it just shocks them. They're They're completely just... They've never had anything like it, and it's pretty cool to watch the watch the expression on their faces when they taste it. Yeah, it's it's a sad day when we run out of garden tomatoes. Uh, when you have to go to the store and buy those pink, lifeless orbs that they, they <laughs> sell you, it's disgusting. But um, uh, yeah, no, I'm with you, man. It's it's it is jarring when you've had raw milk for the first time with the cream still on it. And it's like, oh my gosh, am I like drinking liquid ice cream? But it's so satisfying. And you get, you get a nice cold glass of raw milk. You'll never go back, man. You just won't. 
Well, and that's the thing is they take milk, they pasteurize it at a certain heat, so they kill all the or, the organic, the, the microbes in it and the nutrients in it, and then they add inorganic sources of vitamins D and, and others in it, and you're not going to absorb any of those nutrients whatsoever because you're an organic organism. You're going to hear me say that till till the cows come home. You, you're putting in either synthesized or basically rock fossil versions of of these vitamins, and you're just not going to absorb them. It's a, it's a waste of time. So that's why all the old days when it, when the when the milkman would come when I was young a uh, young guy, and they would put a bottle on your on your porch. And you go out and get it. It was fresh, unpasteurized, real milk. I remember yeah. one of the things that had me tapping out from milk. I forget what documentary it was, but it started talking about uh, mastitis because of the infection of the udders and the amount of pus that is in milk, you know, balanced out with the milk. But I'm just like, yeah, I'm you just, good. You just threw a softball into Brad, bro. <laughs> Go ahead, Brad. I'm good. Did you, did you want to continue? Because I can talk about mastitis. We've had cows that have it. Yeah, no, and go for it. We're we're friends with a lot of the dairy people up here. We go to their homes, and here's the reality: the reason why they do that high temperature, um, basically killing of the milk, is because of mastitis. It's because of scabs. It's because of poop that gets into the milk because these big dairies. They can't clean their animals properly every time, all the time. And they, it's, it's all a production line. It all goes by vacuum. So they pop these things onto the teats of the cow and they suck. It's an automatic thing. Sucks the milk out of the cow. They walk on. They don't, they don't know what's going through those lines to the big gigantic milk vat container. So unless you're producing it yourself, you really, really don't know what you're getting and that's why they do that the pasteurization but like pat's saying it's killing all the nutrients this is true man here true story ready we have friends that swear oh i'm lactose intolerant i can't i can't have ice cream i can't have anything i said okay let me let me ask you a question would would you try just one glass of milk or a, a bowl of ice cream or even just one bite of our raw stuff because the enzymes that are killed off in the pasteurization prod, um, process are not in ours. Ours has the enzymes that will allow your stomach to break it down and you can actually use it as food. And, and we've had three different friends try it, three different friends who swear they're lactose intolerant, have it without issue. Is that lactase? Is that the enzyme that's? Yes. That's it. That's it. It's, people, it's, people that say that they don't want you to know. They don't. Yeah. They don't want us to know about these things. Here, here's here's a, here's a good one for you. If if you have a baby that for whatever reason the mother, human mother, is having a hard time making enough milk or she can't make milk to feed the baby, you can give them raw goat's milk. It's almost. It's so close to to raw mother's milk. We've done it with friends. Matter of fact, we bought a milk goat recently to help somebody at our church out who she couldn't make the milk and they fed their baby for months on goat's milk till the baby got old enough to eat food and, and healthy, strong, no problems. Yeah, I've heard that from, from an awful, awful lot of people. So, you know, with, with, in regards to the nutrients in your vegetables, 
And do you do a lot of canning? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Everything, you know, obviously like everything from, um, well, one of our favorites is chili and people freak out when they go, you're canning meat. Yes. Oh yeah. Chili. Cause you just got to do it with a pressure canner. Uh, that's all you got to make sure that everything, the bad juju that's in there is dead. There's nothing funky in there. And we've had, you know, I know this is not going to be, um, USDA compliant. So this is Brad saying, this is what Brad does. This is not advice to you. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a blah, blah, blah. So we've eaten chili out of canning jars. that has been seven years old and it's been no problem. No problem at all. You just got to be clean, sanitary, make sure that you pressure can it to the right stats, the right length of time. Uh, and there's no problems. It's there's, there's three drones headed towards central Wisconsin. As we <laughs> <speak>. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get on, yeah, I'll get on. Funky Works is a YouTube channel and uh, I'll watch the planes come in on Skyglass. <laughs> Well, I mean, we're we're saying that halfway tongue in cheek, but it's, it is so kind of disheartening to see the powers that be that frown upon people's self sufficiency because they almost know food is let food be thy medicine, medicine be thy food, and if you do it the way you're doing it and what you recommend people do it, there's not that revolving door of being contaminated by the commercial food industry and then going right into the pharmaceutical industry. Jeff, you are once again preaching to the choir, but let me tell you what's happening. <laughs> We have unknowingly returned to serfdom. Like in the Middle Ages, there are lords and there are rulers and then there are us. And America, the United States, broke away from that from a, for a brief time until people started chipping away and eroding with financial stuff and control things and law after law after law where they basically regulation. They made that separation, and now we are back to serfdom where, think about it, you can't own property. You, you can't own property. Try not paying your taxes. What happens? Yeah, and that's the thing is it can only be enforced with violence, the threat of violence, and people don't get that, that if you don't pay your taxes, well, they'll end up foreclosing or seizing the property, I should say, putting yeah. liens on the property and everything else. And then eventually, uh, when it comes time to – uh, try and run you out. Well, they're going to send people with guns. Yep. And, and the thing, you know, and that's actually one thing that really gets under my skin, especially with, I don't know, are we allowed well, to say, well, let's generally do get under the skin. Yeah. Are we allowed to mention the, uh, the, uh, disease that should not be named that just happened recently? Or are we, well, you can, I mean, we, we can, we can talk about, we can talk about disease. We can talk about the treatments. Um, I just call them, you know, like Jason Burmers calls it, the boopity boop. Gotcha. Boopity that's boop. what, that's yeah, where I was going to go. Like okay, so here's the thing. What really bothers me is the people that decided to enforce it. Because you can dupe the public. You can you can get on TV and repeat a thing long enough where enough people are going to believe you, and that's that. But what bothers me is the people that knew differently, knew better. And they enforced it and yes. they sold it to you. And they're the ones that came knocking on your door. And they're the ones that said, you can't come in here unless you do this. You can't come to work unless you do this. The ones that knew better. Now they're coming out on TV and saying, uh, oopsie, we should have reconciliation now. What? Yeah. So here's the thing that, that I, and this is the solution part, right? Not their solution, but 
our solution, you know, civil, uh, decent, civilized human beings, not the predator class, what they're trying to manipulate us into mm-hmm. is, you know, this boomerang effect that goes back and forth in, in the dehumanization process, the demoralization, you know, everything that goes on in social, social, um, control, so to speak, is now we see this Brown University, the, the, what you're talking about, this Brown University professor writing that, you know, that there should be amnesty, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, and that we, we shouldn't hold each other accountable for what we said and did during our dark times of not knowing, you know, any better. Mm. And look, Brad, let me, let me, you, know, <laughs> you and Jeff, my co-host knows me as well as anybody out there. I got punched in the head for a living and we saw this coming from a long way away. Uh, of course, our information loops were quite vast in a lot of different sectors of the world, but that's not an excuse for other people, fathers and mothers to buy into this for doctors, for scientists, for chemists. For all these health professionals, uh, people who run county health departments, and all these other people that are responsible for the destruction right now, the inflation, um, our economy could potentially implode because of their actions. And these are crimes against humanity. They are. And so people are going to be held accountable. That's just, there's no way around it. Um, but we have to figure out, you know, a civilized way of doing this. The predator class does not want it to be civilized. They love us to all just kill each other. But that's not what I want. I want the citizens to wake up and understand that, yes, we do have an enemy and they are far above our government and that our government are just slaves. That's all they are is slaves and and they're compromised and they do what they're told. So I almost feel sorry. I don't. But a part of me feels sorry for the slave, what it must feel like to be a complete and utter slave, you know, to the predator class like that. Well, and so, even before before you start, Brad, even if they're not elected officials, you have or even if they are elected officials, you have so many of these unelected bureaucrats who are responsible for imposing so much of this crap, too. So there's plenty of blame to go around, whether government or even non-government. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, and um, here's the thing. Both of you guys, I'm I'm interested to hear because one of the things that we really, really do try to promote on our YouTube channel is solution based content not just griping about how bad it is. And what I just heard you say is we've got to come to a civilized understanding of how to deal with this. And and I agree 100%. So what I'm asking is how do we go about it? Because that's the one thing that's so hard to put your finger on when you hear about these idiots with the World Economic Forum saying you'll own nothing and be happy. I've got two things for that man, Jack and Squat. But how do we end up living with each other and them keeping them off my back and my kids back while still not having some kind of horrible conflict? Well, I think what what I noticed early on in this whole thing was in Switzerland, tens of thousands of people had surrounded the Rothschild Castle and they were ready to go in. And the only reason that crowd did not go in and snatch up the Rothschilds who were in there was because they had literally fire hoses out of the windows, and they had massive chain-link fences with Constantina wire on top of it surrounding it, which they had put up in preparation for the masses becoming angry. The crowds didn't eventually go in there, but, I mean, ultimately, you've got to go to the source of the people that are causing the problems, the Wallenberg family, the Rothschilds, the many of these families. Those are the folks that ultimately are the manipulators and controllers. That's just the way it is. Um, I don't know how that's addressed, 
but uh, because so many people are are bought and paid for. But you know, ultimately, we know we know who's responsible. Oh man, what a pickle! Because that's I think the problem is that we're all the people that are awake. I should say because there's definitely I'd say the, the the country is so divided. But the people that are awake and see what's going on, we're we're so irritated, but we don't know how to deal with it in a in a way that's going to be actually productive. And I'm echoing that too. So if somebody out there's got the actual real life answer that doesn't involve hurting somebody, I'm all ears. Well, and the real frustrating part of a lot of this, um, they can have whatever program they want. It's the only way it works is if we participate in it, and right. whatever it is. The different technically psyops fear is such a that fear based trauma of they you know the Hegelian dialectic of they create the problem we react and then they bring in the solution to the problem they created whatever it's been throughout history the only way it works is when we participate in it so I mean going back to you know what we're talking about in the communities communities that you're building I think this kind of sentiment is becoming more and more ubiquitous people are starting to understand the commercial food industry is poisoning us leading us into the pharmaceutical industry and more and more self-sufficient communities are popping up. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but I think if more and more people start replicating what you're doing, Brad, and spreading this information, creating communities, I think it'll slowly start to stem the tide. But you can't have the high without the low and all that other crap. We're not going to save everybody. But if more and more people can get their head out of the arse and get a little bit more educated and start participating in so much of this dark arts type of business and see the larger picture and stop falling for the, the fear campaign all the time, I think that's what slowly stems the tide. It'll never happen overnight because, like you said, they've been putting us into this condition for decades now. So it's going to take just as long for us to get out. I can tell you one thing that we can we can address that is in our power right now, here now. Um, I don't know if you guys know the parent company of TikTok is a, a Chinese company called Byte Dance, B-Y-T-E Dance. Um, just to give you an idea, in China... If you are 14 years old or younger, the app automatically limits you to 40 minutes a day top. It will shut itself off in China. And the videos that they show are educational, science experiments, history, patriotism in China. That's what they should, they, they allow the kids to see. Compare and contrast that with what TikTok is here. Holy mackerel. The algorithms are very different. Just it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Shut it off. That's how you can fight back, at least in one small way. Well, even the term, I think Joe Rogan talked about this, and this happens with a lot of the apps we download, but the terms of service are like, we can monitor your camera, your microphone. We can monitor your keystrokes. We can tap into other computers that your phone might be near. And, you know, because we want to see, like Pat just did, because we want to see that crap, we click yes. We're cool with it. Again, this kind of tacit uh, participation is what creates this kind of boiling frog kind of, cent- or, you know, eventuality. You are correct, sir. Yeah. I mean, everybody gets that nice new big screen TV and they just go, yes, 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 to get it set up. When yeah. it's literally telling you, I'm listening and I'm watching and I'm sending your data and I'm selling it. Yeah. And, so I, And then the whole, so, I'm sorry, the whole, if I'm not doing anything wrong, why do I care? I, I despise that. <laughs> response to that kind of thing right right Sorry well that's that. the thing is we go back we go back to gardening right so now the government's asking for people to register register your their garden. gardens register your garden register your community gardens all these different things 
in no way, shape, or form should anyone ever participate in any program like that. It should not exist. Gardens don't have serial numbers, bro. That's not going to happen. <laughs> don't do it. And so even if you just had a tiny yard or, say, for instance, you have corners of a bedroom, you can put hydroponic gardens in the corners of your bedroom and grow enough greens and tomatoes and cucumbers and all kinds of different stuff that you can literally live off of it. You can literally live off of it. And you, that you know, is I'm, where it's so important because I'll just I'll finish and then throw it to you, Brad, is another friend of mine within the apparatus, we'll say, said what we are facing, he just in no uncertain terms said, we're dealing with a modern-day Stalin-style famine that's coming. And they are taking chunks out of all the different sections um, in, in so many ways. And those of us who have been paying attention have seen that. So, you know, that's where we need to address it. They can't control you if they can't control your food first. Yes, sir. Have you ever um, uh, eaten raw wheatgrass? I have done the uh, – my sister has shown me how to do the uh, – soak the wheat berries – and then awesome. spread them out over a screen and let them sprout after they sprout and then dry them and then grind them and turn them into flour, uh, gluten-free you can, flour. You can do that. Um, I built a system out of one of those uh, restaurant uh, shelving units, the aluminum shelving units that you can get from, uh, you know, Home Depot or whatever. Sure. And I made yeah. a system where you have on the bottom, it's a, a reservoir, which was basically just a tub, and yeah. then it sat inside it. And they were crisscrossed like this. So you had holes on the, the low side. Yeah. And, and it would, so you'd have a fish pump that pump it up the top and you do, you'd put those seeds on the trays and you would basically be able to harvest Circle water over it. Yes. You'd harvest one while you put another one up there. Now here's the thing people don't know about that. First of all, those seeds have inside them all of the nutrition they need to get to maturity without sunlight. That's what's amazing. You can grow that stuff in your house. Yeah, suns, if you put it near a window, it's going to help. But they will, they have all of the nutrition they need to get the sunlight or to, to maturity. But the, the issue is then after that, if you don't harvest it, they're going to die. But so you right. got to get it on the schedule. So you can juice those things. You can grind them into a juice that's incredibly healthy for you. Um, yeah. not, not a doctor, not nutritional information. You do your own research. Um, but. <laughs> It's cheap. You can grow them in your house, and uh, it's nutrient-dense food. Right. I, I throw organic. Way. I throw organic wheatgrass powder in my uh, shake or my water every morning. A little scoop. We used to do it for our our chickens and our goats because we started eating it, uh, and it was, it's it's just nasty. It tastes like grass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I love drinking wheatgrass juice. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. I mean, we, we put it in, uh, we started putting it in our daughter Grace's food because since she's G-tube fed, she doesn't have to taste it. So she just, she's, she's like the most nutritious, health conscious person. And she, cause you can put anything you want in there. Oh, you want liver powder? Sure. Boom. No problem. Um, but the issue is, that you're addressing is really important. The gardens, um, the control that's coming. Uh, there are states that will not allow you to harvest rainwater. Yeah. And that's insane to me. How, how does the state own the rain? It, that's so it's, a, again, a return to serfdom. You'll do what you're told and we'll give you the rules. And so 
if you can do those things where you can do them inside uh, without their knowledge or they have nothing to say about it. For example, like uh, heart, uh, one of the best uh, return on investment for protein, if you're going to grow protein, is rabbits. Now, rabbits are great because they reproduce like rabbits. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, you don't have to feed them a ton. And even if you live in a place that has a, an HOA, they're considered legally pets. So you can have them, put them in your garage. They don't, don't never mind them. that. Never mind the childlike screams when you're butchering them. <laughs> you snap the neck, man. <laughs> yeah. That's the, but, that's the neighborhood trauma. Basically, yeah. you know, the, the neighbors are traumatized by the screams they're hearing coming from your house as you're, as you're butchering. <laughs> he's, calling, he's calling CPS for sure, right? <laughs> so one trick that I learned about, and I've got a friend that's got the patent on the solar roof system. It has to be considered a roof, and the way that he's got it so that the rainwater can be collected, but there's a, a downspout that comes down, and they there are offshoots for the people that want to store rainwater where it's technically illegal. There's a way to run a downspout within a downspout almost. And huh. So you've got one going into the ground or inside, and then you've got one that is a you know, a downspout off the building that looks perfectly normal, like you're just letting the water go off onto the ground. So there's ways of doing that and ways around that that uh, that you can, you know, get away with, so to speak. I'm more of the uh, opinion that it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. <laughs> I like it. And no trespassing signs and don't come on my land, period. Well, and get a gate. <laughs> you know, I mean, That's being that we're on yes. YouTube, um, we, we've had bizarre situations where people will literally just show up at your house you don't know them we've had we had one person this was a fortunately these people were just nice old people but um we had a situation where they had driven two states away and we're out in in the field literally gathering and bailing up hay and we're like what is that cadillac doing over there they've stopped and they've been there like a half hour what's going on here it was probably my sister no <laughs> So, and then I'm like, you know what? First thing I did, hand goes to the side. Okay, we're good. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so I got, we just kept bailing. They stayed there over an hour. And then when we went in, they came over and I confronted them politely, just saying, who are you? What are you doing here? And, but gates are good friends. You know, there's a lot of things you can do to secure your property that are not necessarily stop the crazy people. But it'll slow them down long enough to you get, for you to get prepared for what's coming next. Sure. Yeah. So let's shift gears. I wanted to talk a little bit about you know you had mentioned earlier bee populations and things like that. Are you do you have beehives on your property? We used to. Uh, in Ohio, we had twenty. But when we moved up here, we started out with four, and none of them made through the first winter here. Okay. And, okay. And and we we ended up gaining friends around us that do also keep bees and one guy who's he's he's got a dedicated shed that is temperature controlled and he can only still keep about 40 percent of his hives temperature controlled room all year long and so we made the decision that i i just don't want to buy bees knowing i'm going to kill them and right. so so we don't, but we used to keep bees and I highly, highly, if you, if you live in a, a, a climate that you can keep bees, please do. 
it's not it's not only going to be good for your family, it's good for the environment, it's good for all of the pollination, it's good all the way around. Um and besides, honey is a it's a food that doesn't spoil. It's incredibly nutrient dense. Um the bee pollen is incredibly good for you. And uh there's gazillions of let me just say this. Um and I I don't I try not to get too um religious with crowds I don't know, but if you don't know my family we're believers, but we don't try to cram it down anybody's throat. We we just we live this way. This is how we feel like we're supposed to communicate um the gospel and we don't cram it down people's throats because I don't think that's how God deals with it. But what I will say is um the more I learn about bees, the more I am convinced there is order in the universe and there's a God who wove it all together. Bees are incredible. They do this thing called a waggle dance. Do you know the waggle dance? Is that when they keep their when they keep the uh the warmth going and the no. When they vibrate? When they, when they go out, when a bee goes out and they find a resource, whatever it is, maybe it's pollen, maybe it's water, whatever, they come back and they will deposit their resource and then they will, they'll move around and they'll twitch and their wings will move at a certain frequency. And what they are doing is they're literally giving every other bee in that colony the geolocation coordinates. coordinates yeah of what they are and what it is and how much it is just by moving around like that. Wow. Yeah. Tell, no, me, they're, tell, they're me, that, tell me that happened by accident. Tell me that happened by accident. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was just a comet that blew up a gazillion years ago. Right. Okay. <laughs> Got a bridge. <clears throat> well, what, a, what, a, what an amazing, what an amazing atmosphere to live in an area, you know, on a piece of property where you've got flowers all over the place. I mean, that's all I envision is, Massive sunflowers around the perimeter, wildflowers everywhere, flower gardens, a massive vegetable garden with bees and, and birds and bats and everything. Just It's just, yeah, that's what you want. You want that beautiful uh, Garden of Eden, so to speak. Yeah, man. And you know what? It's not as hard to get as people think. I mean, where we live, this is true story. Right now, property is selling for about $2,000 an acre is the average. You just got to learn how to live in the climate. That's what I wanted to ask you about, Brad. It seems like over the years I've seen there's kind of this romantic, going back to even like Little House on the Prairie or whatever, there's kind of been this romanticization, if you will, romanticization, if that's a word, I'm sorry if I'm masquering it, of like homesteading life, pioneer life, and they think it's just going to be so gravy. And talk to that a little bit, if you will, between bridging that gap between, oh, it's just going to be so easy. And you said it's not hard to do, but like, you want to do it, but like how hard is it really to create this kind of off grid grid self-sustaining lifestyle for not just your family, but for communities, for people who are, who want to do it, but are kind of intimidated by making that leap. Okay. I, I, first things first, start with chickens. Chickens are the gateway drug. <laughs> That's what's going to get you going. Chickens, because you'll watch these chickens and each one of them has their own personality and they're, it's instant gratification because you're getting food from them. You're also interacting with them. They're fun. They're easy to take care of. But what I would recommend, I, I hear what you're saying is to, to go from a city kind of mentality to I want to harvest my own wood and heat my home with logs that were right out there. To do that, it does take time. It's a process. And 
what I would suggest is don't bite off more than you can chew. Do one skill at a time or else you're going to screw it up because that's what we did. We were like two feet in. Let's do 10 things at once. And you know what happens? <laughs> you'll end up killing your animals and you'll end up killing yourself and you'll end up killing your back and you'll end up doing too much and you'll mess it up. Get one skill and and go with that. Find a mentor. Be smart enough to be, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Teachable. That's a huge one. If you have, if your attitude is, I know everything and I got this and I got it, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You've got to be able to open a book or find a YouTube person who's actually knowledgeable, not most of them, but somebody's actually knowledgeable or somebody in person who's lived that way and be wise enough and teachable enough and humble enough to say, can you please show me how to do this? Cause I don't know. Ignorance, ignorance is not stupid. Ignorance means you just don't know. And the ability to say, I really need your help, Pat, in getting my soil better. Why? Cause you know more about it than I do. And I'm not going to be all arrogant, stupid dude and say, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the nitrosamines <laughs> and this. No, I'm going to be smart enough to listen to him when it comes to soil amendments and how to get your soil back to, to healthy. Um, those are the things that I would say that's the mentality you've got to do. And, and also think about the things that are the most important first, like shelter, food, water. Can I get those three things without much help from anybody around me? Like, can I get those things in my house? Can I, can I feed my family a year from now? Can, if, if, my daughter Grace doesn't have what, what happens? Do, do we can enough food? Do we have enough food that's freeze dried? Do we have enough food that I can go out and hunt? Do I have enough food that I'm going to raise my own beef or whatever? Whatever your needs are, because your needs are going to be different than my needs. But the main three, food, shelter, water. Do you have those things? Then branch out and, okay, now then, then you need to answer the question, what about resupply? Can I resupply those things? Because even if you went out and bought, you know, a year's worth of survival food, that's great, but you're going to eat it up. Now what? Have you got a garden? Do you got some chickens? Do you have something that maybe you can barter with to have your neighbor weld your trailer that you need, you have to have to, to bring in the hay? Those things. Those are the three main things. And honestly, again, though, it's are you teachable? Are you humble enough to say, I don't know and I need to know? Because that's a big one. Yeah, and and the ability to protect it, right? Amen. Yeah. So I, that's, I, I that's want that one important. into shelter. I want that one into shelter. <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking, not to uh, keep you too much longer, but I've been having some amazing conversations with permaculture experts. And yeah. Some, some of the guys I was on the phone with a couple days ago, build seven layer permacultures where it's seven, seven different layers from, you know, um, from the ground all the way up to the upper canopy of food. And he said, we build them for people and design them for people so that they have food, uh, a plethora of food and community can have a plethora of food. And there is no, you don't have to take care of it. It just keeps growing. You've got, you know, you've, you cover, cover crops, so to speak, things like that. And then it's just 
bushes and uh, trees and 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 plants and just everywhere. It's just food everywhere. He took me for a tour of the one that they had in Florida while he was down there, and with his camera on his phone. <laughs> I mean, it it is incredible. There's acres and acres and acres of food. So people can people can learn how to do the permaculture thing on on a piece of property. And you really, once it's done, you don't really have to take care of it. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know who said this and I'm, I'm probably going to mess up how it said. So I can't give credit to who it is, but I've heard it said that, um, if there was famine or shortage or supply chain issues to the point where food was really, really hard to get, um, they say that 90% of people would die starving within a hundred yards of forests of food. Um, and it's just because we don't know what's around us. For example, um, in the Northwoods here, there are pine trees everywhere. Pine trees by percentage have a lot more vitamin C in them than oranges. You just got to brew them like a tea. You got to know which ones, but there's sure. mushrooms everywhere and there's, there's ground lettuces that you can actually make into uh, a morphine-like painkiller. Believe it or not, all of this stuff is all around you, and I would seriously recommend go out today and get a, a local um, um, foraging foods, food foraging for your area. Yeah, but there's, there's food everywhere. I love what these guys are doing with the permaculture stuff. I love it. Uh, um, but... There's stuff that's wild all around you. Probably grows in your yard, and you you poison it to kill it to get rid of it. Dandelions, you can eat them. Yeah. You know, and that way you point that out. So I was much younger than my siblings to the point where they didn't want to hang out with me. I was that much younger. So I spent a lot of time with my dogs, my two German shepherds, from the time I was probably seven or eight years old to I gosh, my senior year of high school. I I had both those dogs. I went everywhere with those dogs. They didn't need leashes. They didn't chase deer. They didn't go after other dogs. None of that. They, they, I, I had them very well trained from early on. I just connected with animals very well back then. And I spent a lot of time in the woods. I spent a lot of time fishing. I spent a lot of time, believe it or not, even pre-teen years, you know, 10, 10 years old, I was catching big bull snakes, skinning them, gutting them, and I was cooking them on fires in the woods and eating them. I knew where the wild carrots, what they looked like. I knew what the wild asparagus looked like, the wild, you know, the mulberry trees and all these other uh, different sources of food. As a 10-year-old kid, I would go into the woods and just hang out and eat food and, and catch snakes and cook them. Man, that, and that's that's a trait that that it needs to be re, relearned and become a th – I mean, are you kidding me? There's, there's food everywhere, but – we're just ignorant of it. And again, ignorant is not stupid. Get get a guide. Start going out and learning. Be careful with mushrooms, though, because you pick the wrong one, you're going to be having a bad day. <laughs> sure, 100%. Potentially dead. Yes. Yeah. So, Brad, what, uh, what do you want to tell our listeners, you know, about how they can get in touch with you, how they can find you on social media, things like that, so that, that they can begin to follow you? Well, thanks, Pat. I, I, um, we have our main thing is honestly the YouTube channel and it's big family homestead. And we literally have over 2000 videos because we used to do a video a day for years. And it was just honestly on, here's how you make bread. 
here's how you make this or here's how you do that. And it was just stuff we were learning and we were filming it as we were going. Um, that, uh, is the best way. Uh, if you want to get us on email, it's info dot big family homestead at gmail.com. Um, yeah, so that, that's the main way we do have a website, big family homestead.com. And there, one thing that's cool is, is that we have forums there that are free and open for anybody that wants to jump on and talk about any number of homesteading topics. There's a lot of people on there that will share, Oh, this is how I can this, or here's how I do that. So, so, Cause one of our goals, like I said, was building community. But what I really want to do is get the community growing itself where you're really good at that. So you share your skill. You're really good at that. So you share your skill that way. Cause I mean, I, I honestly believe the rising tide lifts all ships and sure. I'm only one guy. I can only talk to so many people or put my hand in the hand of so many people or share with so many people. But if I can empower you to do it and you to do it, we've just doubled our efforts. And then if it, keep, if it can keep going, that's the goal. Very good. Very good points. And, uh, you know, we certainly appreciate your time today. Jeff, do you have any closing comments or questions? No, it's great to sit under the learning tree and listen to Brad, man. It's really cool. His kind of DIY setup for self-sufficiency. And I, I think it's really important, like you said, building communities, have other people around you that fill in the gaps and the things that maybe you don't do. And I think as this kind of stuff grows, it just grows exponentially because once people make that connection of like, I'm being poisoned. I'm being killed by the stuff I eat and et cetera. You, you would think that some level of self-preservation would kick in where they would want to do things that you're talking about. So again, keep on doing what you're doing and we will add all the links that you mentioned in uh, the description of this video so people will be able to reach out to you. And I thank you so much for your time and all the work you've put in doing this, man. And I'm grateful that you guys have this platform because we need to have a bigger bullhorn so more people listen because everybody knows we're headed for a brick wall. It's how are we going to, how are we going to, you know, take care of each other when it all starts to fall apart. You know, that's the goal. Yeah. So thank you guys. Yeah, it is. It is focus the energy on the rebuild, not the, not the collapse, so to speak, because the collapse is by design and not a lot we can do about what the predator class is planning for us, but the rebuild, we can, we can make some decisions there and that's, that's what we need to be prepared for. So, you know, for Brad, our guest or uh, from big, big family homestead network, Check out his YouTube channel. And for my co-host, Jeffrey Wilson, uh, this is Pat Militich, and I'm signing out. See you guys. Thank you. Brad, great, great, uh, 